the timeline of destruction, the Lemony Snicket series of unfortunate events <laughs> that have occurred since Jar said, I'm fine in the West. Oh, Holy hell. Unbelievable. Welcome to the Basketball Forever podcast. I'm Nick Jungfer, head of editorial here. Joining me, the founder and a man who thinks AI Drake is going to top the charts. He will. Alex Sumsky. I don't think I know <laughs> oh, well, will top the charts. You feel so strongly about this, you uh, interrupted your own intro. They're bangers. <laughs> every, every AI Drake song that's coming out, I'm thinking, I need an album. I need AI Drake album. Yeah. You're, you're a big Drake guy. So I sort of, oh, part okay. of me thought if any sort of fake Drake came out, you no, would, you'd be not in favour, but you I'm, actually love I'm in favour because it, it's, the the record labels hate it, right? Of course. Like they're, they're blowing up, they're getting everything removed. Drake's putting it on his story, but you can't put the genie back in the bottle. It's, <laughs> this is where we're at now. So embrace it. I think it's creative. I think people get to experiment. Um, and there's, you know, uh, there's going to be a time where Drake and musicians stop putting out music eventually. And this way, I can always get new albums. So, I'm happy with it. <laughs> Drake, for just a lifetime supply of Drake. Good stuff. Exactly. Mate, what do you think about the playoffs and specifically Lakers-Grizzlies? I think that's a really sort of box office series oh my for gosh. some obvious reasons. Everyone's um, enjoyed Lakers-Grizzlies. Yeah, yeah. That, that one was just a complete banger. Yeah. You know how there was that theory... Uh, that was around for quite a while of like, oh, the Grizzlies, as crazy as it sounds, are they better without Jar? And it's then 100% true. Right. Well, I was going to say, I feel like that's definitely picked up steam. You know, they lose early in the series, they lose with him and win without him. And mm. suddenly we're re revisiting that whole narrative. Stephen A put it best when he said, uh, there's a difference between a valuable player and a talented player. And I, I think that's just so true. I've never seen Jar Moran as an MVP candidate. I still don't. Mm. The, the Gri I love watching the Grizzlies, by the way. They yeah. are supremely talented uh, and they're very deep. And when they're clicking, they're just great to watch. Ja Morant's a huge talent. He's exceptional. His athleticism is crazy. His box office is exciting. But he's not valuable to that Grizzlies team, uh, in my opinion. Uh, if you want to look at the win-loss side of things, so uh, with Ja, they're 142 uh, and 106, uh, but then without him, they're 37 and 24. So it's just, like I said, it's exact, It's almost exactly the same. So we can't even say, oh, small sample size. That's No, that's huge. And, I, and yeah. from what I understand is like the Grizzlies have a better net rating without mm. Jar. Um, their offense during the Jar suspension was, what, 117.9 and... The Grizzlies' offense for the whole regular season was 114.7. Mm. Yep. So, you know, um, I think that I love Grizzlies basketball. Uh, I think it's, you know, it's gritty. It's great to watch. Uh, but the system's so good that it's one of those things where you could cycle in any sort of playmaker. Mm. Uh, and they're going to be successful in that role in that system. As we've seen when they cycle in Tyus Jones. Completely. Who's an excellent, just steady guy, takes care of the ball, doesn't turn the ball over, just good, solid playmaker. And that well-oiled machine just ticks along nicely. He starts and gets 30 minutes. Mm. That's a that's a double-double from him. 
Yeah, that's uh, well and truly the the Grizzlies are. 32 and 13 the past two seasons when Jones starts in place of Jar. But can I put it this to you, a devil's advocate sort of uh, thing, which is, is it Jar's fault? Should he be penalized for there being a really good system around him that hums along nicely with and without him? Like if you'd build a great system, well, you have at BF, right? Mm. And even if... I was like the most talented guy here. Is it my fault that it's th- that it doesn't fall apart without me? Do you know what I mean? I, I get what you're saying. You've just built a great system that can function with or without. Yeah, I or if we took that. our best designer out and we don't crumble, doesn't mean the best designer is not the best designer. You know what I mean? That's an interesting point. I, you know, I think it's a little bit of a different conversation though, because you know, of course, someone could be the best player on the team individually speaking, mm. but I'm talking about value here. How valuable yeah. are they to the team? Um, and I guess whether it's his fault or not, even if it isn't, it still means the way we define value, especially if we're def- defining in this particular way as to what happens when you, we take you out of there, doesn't really matter if it's not his fault. You still don't tick those boxes. In the same way that, uh, say, you're, you're not leading the clutch scoring this year because you haven't played enough clutch minutes. Not your fault, but we also can't say the most clutch player. Yeah, It's exactly. just circumstance. But, you know, the, the Grizzlies overall, their style of play is just what? How, how would you characterize it? It's, it's, it's defense, it's mm. physicality, um, you, and then you've got like this balance, uh, balanced offensive attack uh, that utilizes their inside game, their outside game. Uh, you know, Stephen Adams, JJ, uh, uh, you know, they're incredible, obviously, and Very what, what, what what they can do um, mm. back to the basket and in the post, and then of course out to the likes of Ja Morant at the perimeter, you know, creating great looks. Oh, you know, it's spectacular. But you know what it reminds me of? Try and think back. I'm, I'm just going to – I'm almost not even going to uh, give you a hint here. But when I describe a team like that, what other teams in the last 10 to 12 years can you think of that are similar? Well, let me tell you what springs to mind already. Mm. And then when you say this, I'm like, okay, I think this is where you're going. Mm. The fact that when people talking about Jar is this MVP guy, and I'm like, these- You know where I'm taking Yeah. This. These guys are getting, and I know this is a little bit separate to your point, but we're going to land in the f- same destination. Yeah. I'm thinking Jar's getting this MVP buzz because they're getting swept away in these spectacular headfirst dives to the rim. <laughs> And I, that makes me think of a particular point guard from 2011. Am I on, getting you're, warmer? You're 100% on point here. Yeah. The Bulls are the exact, it's, it's the exact same type of team, in my opinion. They both share similar styles of play, you know, focus on defense, strong inside game, dominant ball handler uh, who creates scoring opportunities for themselves and you know, the rest of the team. Uh, and then Derek Rose, obviously being the beneficiary of of that, Ja Morant being the beneficiary of that. These guys have an opportunity to put up MVP type numbers, uh, and teams structured in that way usually have tons and tons of regular season success. But you know, similarly to the Grizzlies, the Bulls in that sort of Rose era were able to, particularly the MVP season as well, they were able to maintain a winning record, uh, even in games where Derek Rose was absent. 
Uh, and that's something that, you know, it, it's largely due to that strong defense, but it's it's also something that we've noticed is very prevalent with these Grizzlies. Uh, it's, you know, it, even what we've seen in the playoffs now. Mm. I mean, I'm not scared of a Grizzlies team with Ja Morant on, on it. I'm more scared of the Grizzlies when Ja Morant's sitting because I don't know what I'm going to get. It's such a well-balanced mm. team. Anyone's a threat. But other than that, it's like Ja Morant's sort of, Everyone's standing around watching him. There's good ball movement. I'm not taking anything away. It's, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty sleek offense. I, I, I'm not trying to be overly critical, but I'm I'm also being realistic. There is a lot of standing and watching. There's a lot of the Jar Morant show that happens. That's why you can have instances where Jar Morant will have 45, and they'll still lose to the Lake seventh seeded Lakers, yeah, who, who were at one point a laughing stock of yeah. of, of of the NBA. Um, and so uh, I think these. These systems are designed so that you could really cycle in players like a Tyus Jones or, in the Bulls' case, a Nate Robinson, uh, and they can be almost just as successful. Um, Friend of the show, Nate Robinson. I love Nate Robinson. Very active in it. This isn't a criticism of Nate Robinson, (laughs) but I'm saying Nate Robinson's no Derek Rose. Yeah. He's no Ja Morant. Yeah. You know, he's like a Tyus Jones to me. Um, So... You know, I, I look at that and I think, well, then how valuable is Derek Rose from an MVP standpoint? He's talented. Mm-hmm. He's great. He does a lot of good. He's the best individual player on on the team. But then you look at a player like a front runner, like uh, so. If we're going back to 2011, um, outside of LeBron, I think MVP was, front runners. Yeah, like uh, Dwight Howard. Dwight was the. It was. It came down to D Rose and Dwight, didn't it? Really, it came down year. to D Rose and Dwight. I think Dwight even led in All Star votes that season mm-hmm. too. He was more than LeBron, which doesn't happen very often. Um, but even looking at that, that, that actual MVP season is a bad example. Dwight played just about every game. I think he missed one. But if you look at the following season, the uh, Orlando Magic had a two and ten record when Dwight Howard didn't play. Yeah, like that. It it was always so completely obvious how insanely valuable Dwight Howard was to that team. He was also the best player on the team, but he was incredibly valuable to the team. And I think that's where I have to say, Derek players like Ja Morant today with the Memphis Grizzlies, Derek Rose of you know that Bulls Bulls period, and you know there's other examples of this in NBA history where it's just like ah. Uh, are they super valuable? I'm not sure. But, you know, uh, does that take anything away from them? Absolutely not. But it's time to get a little bit realistic about, I guess, how how impactful one individual can be to a team. The Memphis Grizzlies are a great team, uh, but right now it's been proven that Ja Morant, to me, isn't an MVP candidate. Yeah, excellent player, but I also really struggle to throw my full weight behind an MVP campaign if you take the guy out and his team is even the same. But in Jar's case, over his career, they've been better. Yeah. Uh, and their offensive numbers have gone up. Mm. It's just, it's pretty wild. Desmond Bain, now that's now that's a player. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 that's a bit slanderous, but he's amazing. Yeah, he's he is. amazing. He is. They've right. got so many good players in the more room they all have to breathe, mm. plus the element that you mentioned of, I don't know who's going to kill us tonight. Mm. Uh, there's a good chance it'll be Bane if Jar's out, but it could be a number of other guys as well. Bane could put up 30 to 40 on any given night Yeah, with the right opportunity. He's, he is a absolute sniper. 
but just from three. There's just something about not quite not quite knowing where to look. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Um, Jar draws tons of attention. Oh, mate, I'm a bit worried about the clapping we're going to receive in the comments, especially after saying some uh, critical things about Jar Morant. Oh, sometimes when I've got like the live video uploading, like ready for, ready for publish, I, I get like this sick feeling in my stomach. <laughs> That's I'm not like, a good sign. <laughs> I know, because I'm like, oh, is this going to be the one that like permanently <laughs> yeah i mean it actually makes ruins you, my week from all the response it makes you feel a bit sick don't you like it's just not a good feeling at all yeah no, um no. and this is why we feel strongly about our sponsor being something that might make us feel a little bit better oh Pe- yes people want to send us like free shit sometimes and it's often a bit useless this stuff is good mm. uh, our new friends are called athletic greens mm. they have this new product with 75 high quality ingredients it's called ag1 it tastes good it's good for you great for health absorbs in your gut just all-around health that we desperately need <laughs> when we are struggling health-wise yeah yeah i i definitely know that um uh, it's going to be a lot better than having just a zillion probiotics and everything lined up on the on the table uh, when I come down in the morning from Sam. And instead, I yeah. can just, <laughs> just focus on one addition to my routine. So thankfully, gone are the days for you in particular where you don't have to have your, your lineup of tablets and vitamins mm. and all that. Yeah. Um, Athletic Greens got us covered with this. All the vitamins, minerals, probiotics, it's all the good stuff that you're meant to have. All in one simple solution, thank God. So, if you're ready to take ownership of your health, today's the perfect time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash basketballforever. That's athleticgreens.com slash basketballforever. Check it out. I, I love Jar. Uh, as a player, and I still think that um, there's something I struggle with a little bit about players who it feels kind of feels like the more they score, the less likely their team is going to win. Mm. And who do you think, uh, who else brings to mind for that? Because the main guy for me yeah, is Russ himself. Russ, I thought you were going to say Luca. Oh, that's really interesting territory, and maybe we should explore that in a mm. second. But mm. if if Russ has... You know, right back to not just recently, but right back to when he was the the only star left in OKC. Mm. If Russ had, well, I guess he kind of had to then. Uh, but are you talking about thirty, ten, and ten, Russ? I'm kind of talking about. I just feel like the more he had, I, I just remember so many games where he had like forty in the loss. Oh yeah, you know, because he's going nuts. He's huge for the. He's 40 taking now. every single shot. Yeah, and everyone else around him is going ice cold. And then once or twice a game, it's like here you go, Andre Roberson. And gives it to him in the corner. <laughs> and then, you know, he's ice cold for yeah. obvious reasons. Yeah. What the hell do you expect him to do? Anyone who's a, a shooter knows how tough an ask it is to kind of come in ice cold. The ball hog finally gives you the rock. <laughs> We've had this in our games. Yeah. Um, and that Watch is, yourself. That's a tough you ask. Just, you yeah. never know who's watching. I know who's watching. So you've got to be careful. What I played you say. on a few teams. I could be talking about anyone. That's right. Um, but, I don't know. I just I just struggle to fully get behind those kinds of players. And that's very much Russ. But interestingly, so I'm saying that when he scores a lot, it leads to his teammates being cold and, and losses, right? But what do you think about the games where he misses almost everything and then he's forced to do other things? So earlier in this series, to, yeah. uh, at the start of the playoffs, he goes three for 19 was it three for, yeah, it was three for nine. That's what he finished on, yeah. Mm. And that meant 
he had to. Even Russ, even Russ, who's like not always great at making sort of mental adjustments mid-game and being like, you know what, maybe I won't go head first at the hoop. Uh, or actually, better example is maybe I won't launch these threes mm. when I'm bricking them all. But even Russ, when it got that bad, was, was like, okay, I've got to try to contribute elsewhere. He's throwing dimes and rebounds and defending like a machine. And they win the game as heavy underdogs against the Suns. So am I crazy for thinking, is the best Russ, like is his best, are his best games his worst games in a way? Like, do we actually want Russ to start 0 for 10 so that then he's forced to do other things that he's actually really good at? When he's locked into distributing, rebounding, defending, he can do all three of those things extremely well. Yeah, it's one of the biggest catch 22s, I think. Yeah. I, I definitely noticed, it, it's not something I'd ever thought about, um, really until the Clippers Suns playoff series. Uh, yeah. Because that's when it was like, you, we saw that first game and it was the whole time I was watching the game, I kept thinking, this is the biggest two steps forward, one step back. Because <laughs> it, it was like that. It's like every good thing that Russ did, every two good things that he did, he would negate it with like a terrible decision. And then he would take, make two incredible plays. Then, you know, a terrible shot yeah and then two amazing like defensive stops then terrible decision like mm -hmm. that's how he played the whole game it was a, a frustrating watch i'm not a clippers or a suns fan uh it was a frustrating watch i know for a lot of clippers fans um but you were getting more good than bad you were getting more good than bad when he was when he gave up on trying to score properly yeah well, once he reached he that gave, point as soon as he was like this isn't happening and and then it was that 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 split second decision where he made that shift and transformed the game and yeah. then that clutch defensive play at the very end to yeah. uh to get them the win then as soon as he shifted gears the following games and put up incredible numbers he averaged uh over the next 3 games after that um i think it was like what was it 20 i know 20, that over his he's had it was a, like 26 seven and seven or something so he's had a three game stretch sort of in the middle of this series where he's averaging 30 over 30 it's like 30.7 yeah well he had the back-to-back -back 30 he's, games he's and cooking. i know that in the previous for the whole season he'd had one 30 point game the whole yeah. regular season then he had two back-to-back -back. so when he locked into that obviously they ended up losing and yeah. uh it was you know it was just one of those things where you noticed though that when he mentally shifted from looking for a bucket and tried to like do all the other little things it it resulted in a win and i i remember the last time that he went three of 19 um mm. since that game one the last time he'd done that i think that was a big he had a huge game too i'm not he sure if, if you remember the stats i do so he went three for 19 exactly the same shooting numbers that forced him to dish out i had it here um yeah he played that was when he was with the Wizards. They beat Philly by eight in a playoff game. <laughs> yeah. So three for 19 shootings, actually the secret spice for us. That's the sweet spot. <laughs> it's so weird, isn't it? If only we could skip this stage. Can we skip the part where you where you start the game one for 15, three for nine, <laughs> like, you know, and just go straight to like dishing and rebounding? Because he's so good at those things. He, he can be excellent at them. I even felt like in OKC, there were times where, you know how like Steven Adams just letting him grab empty, pointless rebounds yeah. off free throws and stuff like that. Um, I felt like uh, not all of his stats were padded, but 
he was padding them out with with some of those rebounds and I actually thought uh, in particular, that that, but I, they felt really meaningful. Yeah, in the uh, the start of the Sun series, mm. I felt like he's having an incredible impact on this game by contributing all over the place. Mm. They didn't feel empty. They felt like he was having such a positive effect. Yeah, and I think. There's an argument to be made that some of his worst games can also be his best games. Uh, because, right, because goes the other way, yeah. Because of the way that he's focusing on the little things, which we acknowledge he can do at an MVP level when he's trying. He's the best in the yeah. game. Some of those, you'd never <laughs> think that some of this stuff would come out of my mouth. I know, it's so funny. I can imagine Russ listening to this. Well, I absolutely cannot imagine These Russ. These guys are bipolar. I can absolutely never imagine Russ listening to our podcast. But if he was, I feel like he'd be... You said I was focusing on the little things too much when you know when I was getting all these rebounds and assists, and now you're saying it's a good thing. What the hell do you want from me? Well, <laughs> we've got like some stats here when when he shoots below thirty percent since 2016-17 season, uh, he's got a thirty and thirty six record. When he shoots below twenty five percent, he's got a fifteen and fifteen record, and when he shoots below twenty percent. He's got a eight and seven record. <laughs> it gets better and better. The worse the shooting gets, the better the, <laughs> the win better, loss. The better the win loss ratio. Um, so everyone's saying the bricks are the Russ's biggest problem. They're actually, like I said, they're the secret sauce. <laughs> and, and he's also won. Obviously, that's tongue in cheek. But yes, yeah. of course. But he's won five out of eight of his worst playoff games. Worst shooting playoff games. That is. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, I think there's something to be said for the theory that. When he's focused on other aspects of the game, it's it's a better all round team outcome. Yeah, you just it's just not beneficial to have him trying to get fifty. Everyone else standing around. I think there's a couple of other interesting stats we've got that are just to bolster the case a little bit. Yeah, hit me with your favorite ones. Well, they're twelve and zero with fifteen rebounds and fifteen assists for yeah. us <laughs> in those games, which makes sense. He's 150 and 53, so that's 74% mm. win-loss record with 10 rebounds and 10 assists. And then when Russ doesn't, uh, contributes in m- multiple facts. So uh, when he's like focused on his scoring and then uh, he's got less than six rebounds and less than six assists, he's yeah. got a 10 and 27 record. Right. So that really kind of speaks to when he is doing a lot of the non-scoring things, mm. like your perfect example of 15 rebound and 15 assist games, 12 of which he's had and he's undefeated in those. When he's doing those extra things and not as obsessed with scoring, the results are incredible. As soon as he's score focused, everything goes to shit. It's, I don't know, maybe this is the way that he like prolongs his career. Um, he's definitely earned his flowers after these playoffs. No doubt, uh, he has my respect. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, maybe this could be the way that he, you know, starts to, you know, think about what the next like five or six years looks like. If he could just resist the urge consistently to shoot, mm. just or even just keep it to five shots a game, can you? You can, you can still have your fun five times a game, but just other than that, just chill out a bit. And he's just passing, rebounding, defending. Or maybe he didn't, He like, jump shots were banned. He could only drive. Yeah. You get five attempts, they all have to be at the rim. Mm. And the rest, you have to focus, like, focus on getting double digits in rebounds and assists. Because even when you Every say, game. even if you were to say to Russ, hey, man, you're still athletic, please just drive only. 
who'd be like, no worries, I'll take on three guys every time. So you can still run into trouble there. But it's obviously better than hoisting jumpers. Oh, completely. Um, and yes, yeah, so if you're just passing, rebounding, he could be really, really valuable. But um, I don't know. Do you think it makes you sort of think, is he back? Is Russ back? Is the, not, is the logical no, question to no, ask? No, no. And that's the first take, th- you know. Stop right there. Russ is not back. Beastbrook, I don't want Beastbrook back. Bring on new era, Russ. I agree. And the other problem with, you know, the the question you instinctively want to want to ask and what I would assume is going along the ticker at the bottom on ESPN is, is Russ back? The problem with that is if we're looking long-term, when Kawhi and or PG come back, he can't be no. that guy anyway. No. He won't get that opportunity. He's mm. only getting that opportunity in these instances uh, where Russ and, sorry, PG and Kawhi are injured, which, by the way, is far too frequent. But it's, n- it's not the long-term solution. Yeah. Separate to all of this, they just need to blow the Clippers up. Oh, yeah. The Make Clippers sense. curse. The Clippers need Will to never die. Me. Yeah. It will never die. They, they, they land two superstars in the same summer and, of course. Have done nothing. Kawhi was, you know, a basketball robot in Toronto. Yeah. Gets to the Clippers. Apparently, he's just injured for the rest of his career. Paul George, similar situation injury-wise. Mm. It's funny. It's one of those... This has been such an interesting conversation because we've started at this point where we were making a case for why John Morant isn't a valuable player, a, typically a player that we've loved and is, you know, pretty well respected by every single fan in the NBA, and then now a player that usually is number one or number two in you know, uh, total all-time haters, we're now making this compelling case for why he's more valuable to the team than not. I'd, it's, no, I never would never have. thought I'd be in this position. Definitely never would have predicted that we'd have any, um, especially you know before all the Jar Morant carnage, when he was just universally beloved and no one had a bad word to say about him, which was not that long ago. Especially then, I never would have thought we'd have some uh, negative jar things to say and positive rust things to say, but here we are. Here we are. You know, it just goes to show we'll, we go whatever way that the narrative takes us, really. We do. Um, my my opinions uh, change with the facts. <laughs> that is your favorite phrase. It's very true. And, and, and um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm keeping an open mind about Moran. I think, however, from what I've seen, oh, God, we've got it do a post, remind me to do this. We have to do a post on like the timeline of destruction, the Lemony Snicket series of unfortunate events <laughs> that have occurred since Jar said, I'm fine in the West. Oh, Holy hell. Unbelievable. Couldn't have been a colder take perhaps in the last couple of years in no. NBA outside of, <laughs> actually, the, the two of the coldest takes have come from the Grizzlies in oh. Dylan Brooks and Ja Morant. Oh, God, um, yeah. Seeing Dylan Brooks now skip out on every media interview, doesn't want the smoke after talking all of that smack to the LeBron and then yeah, LeBron's going out and just absolutely tearing it up. Potential tangent here, but you put yourself in such a dangerous position when you are a non-star player. and, and Completely. And then you talk so much shit. Patrick pl- Beverly knows all about this. Mm. The only thing that kind of protects Draymond from this is all of the championships. Yeah, exactly. You can just hold up your fingers to whatever anyone it's says. It's an easy get out of jail free card. Yeah, exactly. For Clay too. But um, not not so much the case for players without rings like Pat Bev and then, um, 
yeah, Dylan Brooks as well. Because and then everyone wants it's you're so it's so easy to clap back at you There's because so many you've achieved takes. nothing. Yeah, I I remember when Pat Bev told Steph, um, the next five years are mine. Oh, that's that's a <laughs> Hall of Fame cold take. <laughs> He's got on to win a championship and a Finals MVP since then. First ballot Hall of Fame cold take. Like yeah, what? That's the hell there. is that? Yeah, that's up. <laughs> oh my god! But you set yourself up because people are going to pounce on everything you say, mm. and they've had some. Fucking awful ones. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. We, we've got to dedicate an epi- episode to cold takes, including some of our own. I've I don't know who runs ones. that freezing cold takes Twitter account, but the Memphis Grizzlies alone are keeping those guys very busy. Completely. <laughs> I think they've got a book even. So, oh, yeah. They could probably it's release a coffee a, table one. The next issue could be a Grizzlies only special. Grizzlies only. Yeah. <laughs> a special. Oh, my God. So, mate, I cannot believe we've ended up in this situation, like we said, where we have negative things to say about Jar. We still Mm. think he's great, Mm. but just a few constructive criticisms. Mm. Meanwhile, who's not an MVP? That's the criticism. Yeah, exactly. We're just saying you're not the absolute number one player in the whole world at this particular moment in time. Mm. But still, I guess that's technically negative. (laughs) Um, Never foresee us saying that. Never could have foreseen it. And Mm. never could have foreseen us saying... Uh, you know, giving Russ some flowers, I guess. Yeah. Because right. we don't intend to be hateful or negative or critical, but I never was anticipating him turning it around quite in the way that he has. No. Still yeah, have my right. questions as to how sustainable that can be, but good on him. Mm. Glad to see it. Love an underdog story. Love a bounce back story like we all do. Well done, Russ. Well done. Let's hopefully maybe keep it going for into the future, even if it has to be next season. Um, anyway, mm. what else? I guess we want the people to tell us what they think, as always. Yes. Let us know. Um, and, and give us some credit here. <laughs> yeah. Like, we've evolved as people. We, norm- yeah, we normally invite everyone to roast us, don't we? But you're well, in, we, we did you're, it last week. Yeah. Oh, sorry, the week before. Oh, everyone. Very much so. That was where people could actually call in. But even in the comments, we sort of say, roast us. But you're saying... We got roasted in the comments, too. Oh, yeah. No. You guys just hate Westbrook. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Hope you guys are okay. Uh, listen, just listen to this episode and tell so, me, do I still hate Westbrook? Yeah, yeah, please. I'm, I'm actually scrounging around on the floor <laughs> looking for positive stats. <laughs> oh, can we have more Curb references in future episodes? I yeah. love that. Yeah, no. It's um, okay. Yeah. Let us know what you think. Give us some goddamn credit. Mm. <laughs> or at least for Alex. He's dying for some. Dying for some credit. And I guess yeah. we'll yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>